and beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, facing occasional injections of warm and innuendo, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Kelly Fennell, Republican Nick Kahl, Nationalist Jennifer Nevin, and Progressive Democrat Don Rhodes. Our program tonight is coming to my own base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, the Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Studio, where our phone lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to uh, offer me a tweet, send me a tweet. It's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. Also, if you want to send me an email, it's beyond the Beltway 2019 at gmail.com. And of course, uh, you can join us on beyondthebeltway.com, not only for this program, but also for past programs. Never miss one, you can find it there. And of course, we are live on YouTube and we are live on uh, the Beyond the Beltway Facebook page. So you can find us just about everywhere. Lots to talk about. I hope you had a wonderful Fourth of July holiday. It's kind of an odd not holiday in the middle of the week. It's a little odd. It seems like it's the holiday keeps going on and on. I <laughs> uh, hope you have enjoyed, and it's been a safe experience for you. Um, normally, we're not talking too much about hardball politics on the 4th of July weekend, but I want to find out from Don Rose, I want to find out from you, did the president help himself or hurt himself by taking the 4th of July celebration this year and turning it into a celebration of America's military might and patriotism. I think he broke even. His, uh, his fans liked it or loved it. Uh, his non-fans uh, hated it or detested it. I, I, I don't think he made any new friends or enemies with it. Nick Com, do you agree with that? Well, I think he actually won in many respects because I think he trolled the Democrats and the media to basically, in anticipation of him making a very partisan speech and turning it into a partisan spectacle, the fact that he didn't do any of those things made them look terrible because he came off as a very patriotic person uh, and a leader as well, and the people who were criticizing him before the parade um, looked really foolish. Did the error uh, on the teleprompter about the airport during the Revolutionary War, did that reduce what could have been a home run into some form of ridicule that just it, it fans the flames and no I, actually I think like the ridicule it. is really on the people who are making such a big deal out of a one half word error because there were ports mm -hmm. and there were not airports obviously in 1776 but there were ports and those were clearly what the word that should have been uttered but okay. one half word in an otherwise what 40 minute speech and a terrific uh, event well, I was glad to learn that he, uh, uh, George Washington, stopped the airports because <laughs> otherwise uh, they, they would have bombed his troops and won the war, and we would all be Brits now. There so was. I'm really glad that it, I'm really glad. Totally good. To, to learn how this happened. Uh, Kelly Fennell, uh, what what's your reaction to uh, the president's uh, use of Independence Day? Uh, some would suggest for political purposes. I mean, I did don't he succeed? I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think he won or lost. I think if you were pro-Trump going into it, you're still pro-Trump. I think if you didn't like Trump going into it, you still don't like him. I don't think he really won over any hearts or minds. Do you agree with that, uh, Jennifer? I, I think I would agree with that. I think um, much of what Trump does, and this is no exception, is cementing his reputation 
um, among people who appreciate him. Um, he locks up his voting base every time he does something bold like this. And so I think that the value for him um, lies in that. It's not necessarily converting anybody, but it is mm -hmm. getting um, the people who are behind him to feel secure in their choice. Okay. One of, the, one of the guests that we have this evening, Don, Don Rose, for those listening around the country, uh, he is one of the true... Uh, political geniuses of the Midwest, Chicago and Illinois politics. He's been involved. Uh, he's worked for Republicans and Democrats. Uh, he's he's uh, managed the campaign of Jane Byrne when she upset the Chicago machine. So he probably, at least in these uh, neck of the woods, he's probably one of the uh, one of the most respected uh, political observers around. And again, he is definitely a progressive Democrat. But Don, as you maybe look, even a social democrat, maybe even a social <laughs> democrat, right? Certainly, uh, also you uh, worked for Jesse Jackson in his presidential campaign in, in 1988. A as you look at the race right now, how do you how do you handicap this race? Well, contrary to uh, uh, most of the conventional wisdom, I am beginning to think that the leadership is locked in that the four candidates who are now in double digits by almost most of the polls that you see, that mm -hmm. is uh, Senator Harris, Senator Warren, uh, Senator Sanders, and uh, former Vice President, uh, whatever his name is. Biden. Uh, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, they have been out of the gate, the leaders. Uh, we had a little play with uh, Buttigieg um, and maybe uh, a thought of somebody, oh, uh, what's his name with the spinning hands, Beto. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they've had their play, and uh, people have been expecting, uh, the, the, the conventional wisdom has been, this is only the beginning, somebody's going to zoom up out of, uh, out of the bottom, uh, because they're all fighting the last war. And uh, I think that what we've got here has pretty well frozen in. I think I think there will be a, uh, a could be a significant reshuffling of the top four, but I do not see any of the uh, bottom twenty, or however many there are uh, next week. Uh, I, I don't see them uh, making the kind of play. Everybody thinks they want to be Obama, you know, mm -hmm. coming out of nowhere, not, not necessarily right. modeling, but you know, Obama came came out of nowhere and zoomed up and beat the establishment and so on. I think the establishment is set. The established are those um, three senators and former vice president. Right now, I, I doubt that, I, I, I just can't see how anybody is gonna break into that. Do Some of them may see, drop and might be a top three. Yeah, do you see someone who will beat Donald Trump? And, 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 and in your view at this moment in time, do they beat Donald Trump easily or is it going to be a hard fought campaign? It will be a hard-fought campaign, and uh, if you believe the polling, um, two or three or four candidates might do it. Uh, the most recent Washington Post poll shows that both Warren and even Buttigieg are running in a tie with him. We know that these things are uh, uh, barometric, they're not predictive, mm -hmm. and they're only snapshots in time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but as of now, but they showed Biden with a ten-point lead. They showed Biden with a significant lead, even even more significantly for Biden, uh, even though he's uh, in the current, well, the newest Washington Post poll, uh, he is uh, 
winning with 29%, leading the field with 29%, but when they asked the question, who uh, has the best chance of beating Trump, uh, his number goes up to 45%. Mm -hmm. He's way, way ahead mm -hmm. on who can win, and I think that um, is going to continue to lock him in. Um, now, he, he you know, is quite capable of uh, a, a big fall, Mm. But uh, I think I think today he's a better shot than I thought a month ago. Hmm. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk about the issues that will define campaign 2020, one of which is illegal immigration and the mess on the border. Back shortly. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to uh, Jennifer Devins. Jennifer, you wanted to offer a, a differing view as to uh, the, the power of Joe Biden. Well, you know, I do agree with Don in that I think that uh, Joe Biden's in a pretty good spot. I mean, I, I think that um, when it comes time to nominating somebody, no matter what's happening right now, and uh, we're going to see a lot of different people, Kamala will be up and Pete will be up and people will be slipping and sliding, but I do think that ultimately it's going to come back to Joe because it's interesting, you know, Hillary Clinton was very careful uh, back when she was running against Trump, and it wasn't that long ago, to say that she was not a socialist. She flat out said when she was with Bernie Sanders in a debate, I am not a socialist. And she knew then, as now, that America uh, really isn't there yet. And I think that what we're hearing a lot of right now is, is downright extreme. And I would not call uh, Biden a moderate, but that's coming from a Trump supporter. But I think that at the end of the day, um, the Pelosi wing and, and the, the, the grandmasters of the party are going to say there's really no way that we can go with anybody other than Biden. Nick. Well, the interesting thing is I think there's a bit of a schism. And you alluded to it, Jennifer, with your comments about the Pelosi-AOC split. But certainly you've got mm -hmm. the party faithful that are rounding up and supporting Biden because they do believe, correctly so, that he's probably the best choice mm -hmm. to run against Trump. But the rest of the party is drifting, right. if not firmly in the socialist camp. But it's interesting to watch Biden and how much he is, I think, struggling a bit. He struggled in the debate. He struggled in the interview with Chris Cuomo. He has lost a step, and that's already a vulnerability that Trump is exploiting against him, and that's only going to continue to get worse. I do believe that he's going to get the nomination ultimately because the party money wants the safe bet. They want sort of a return to sanity and normalcy if Trump represents the antithesis of that. I think they want to see Biden because they think, and the polls show, that he would win. One of the other things, when you, when you compare him with Hillary Clinton, 
Hillary Clinton, when she ran for president, she had been uh, banged up by the by the conservatives, uh, by the Republicans, and to some extent by some in the media uh, for almost you know 15 years, 12 years, and there was a likability quote. She even addressed the likability issue. I don't think, even though I disagree with Joe Biden's politics, I don't find I find Joe Biden rather likable. I mean. Mm-hmm. How how much of how much of that is 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 what's in these numbers? That's probably his finest quality. <laughs> it's certainly not an intellectual leadership. No, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, he he is he is Mr. Likable, uh, and I you you can't take that away from him. This is I just want want to say, even though I have semi-predicted uh, a position that might change, uh, that he will be it. But uh, I just want, want to say that my personal choice lies outside of that, as probably closer to, uh, uh, to, to Liz Warren. Uh, but th- there is no question that people still want likability and w- whatever that is. Uh, like electability, who knows what electability sure. is, and uh, uh, he he is Mr. Likeable. You can't take that away from him, uh, and I think even the, the the showing that he's lost a step or uh, stumbling or fumbling or looking bewildered uh, does not take that away from him. Kelly, you're you're a young woman. What, what's your reaction on when you when you think of Joe Biden? Do you think of friendly, likable Uncle Joe? Do you think of him as the former vice president of the United States? Uh, are there others in that field that you would rather see as the candidate of the Democratic um, Party? There are definitely others in the field that I'd rather see as the candidate. I think just because you know Uncle Joe is likable doesn't necessarily mean that he would make the best president of the United States. Who um, would, in your view? I, right now, am torn between Warren and Harris. Um, my uh, one thing also that I'm concerned about is everyone. You know, we went with Clinton over Sanders in the last election because she was more establishment, and look where we are now. I don't think just you know giving Biden a pass because he's what the leadership right now might choose is more establishment guarantees that he's going to beat Trump in an election. Well, I don't know what you mean by giving him a pass. Um, I, I I don't think that people are going to suddenly say, whoops, we're going to go likable, uh, they're, they're going to stay with their chosen candidates, whether it's uh, uh, Bernie as, uh, I mean, through the primary. Okay. And uh, when you talk about the party leadership, uh, you know, the, the old guard party leadership, uh, that really comes to fruition if and when, as I possibly expect, we're going to have a brokered convention. Mm. I think there's at least a 25 percent hmm. chance that we're going to have brokered convention. Wow. At which point, that's when the old guard uh, Clintonites uh, can uh, make themselves felt. Hmm. Well, I think also it would be a mistake to assume um, because Clinton did not wasn't able to pull it out against Trump that Bernie would have been able to, because I don't think Bernie would have been able to um, pull it out um, if he were the nominee instead of Clinton. Um, frankly, I, I don't mean to be overly optimistic about it, but I 
well, from where I'm sitting, I think it will be a horse race uh, up to a point with Joe Biden. But frankly, I don't think that um, anyone else could be Trump. And I don't mm. want to give the Democrat Party any advice. But I, <laughs> I would say that they would be doing themselves um, a load of good to go with somebody who resonates with not a subset of the population, mm. but uh, someone who can also, you know, Biden also needs to draw voters from both sides of the aisle. And you cannot tell me that somebody like uh, Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris or some of these other individuals, Castro, um, anyone else you can name, Swalwell certainly, is going to be able to pull from Trump supporters. Because that's what needs to happen. You need to not only Bernie get your Sanders base, but you can. have to pull. Yes, Bernie, Bernie Sanders can. I think um, Bernie Sanders would have yes. carried Michigan, for example. Yes. That's possible that he could have pulled some of those people, but is he going to be able to get all the people who don't vote? Well, also, is he going to be able to get people energized to vote for him? Well, I'm not sure about that. Too, who's going to get people to show up at the polls, right? I mean, when Obama was elected president, mm -hmm. we had people standing in line throughout the night. Right. People weren't coming out in numbers like that for Hillary, even with her being the first female candidate. But you will have is, that for Trump. I think among his people are fighting the last war. Right. I think right. that you're going to get that turnout no matter who it is. Right. I agree because with you the turnout on, 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 on the Democratic side, um, because the strongest impulse in the Democratic Party is to beat Trump. Yeah, right. that's absolutely. True. And, that's true. and the strongest, you know, just as, as, as he has his fans. That's why it's going to be a, a mm -hmm. tough race. I'm not saying we don't need to have a, a get out the vote thing, but I don't think uh, I don't think the Bernie Bros are going to uh, uh, ditch Biden or anybody else. But Don, right. can I ask you a question? As sure. a political expert strategist that you are, sorry, Bruce, I don't mean to hijack it, but I just, so I want, I'm That's really okay. curious to know your point of view on this. And you mentioned you sort of signaled your own personal preference with what you were talking about there in terms of supporting Senator Warren. Mm -hmm. Do you think the Democratic Party's sharp leftward tilt is a winning national strategy? Well, it depends on what you call the sharp national tilt. <clears throat> um, I think there are a couple of left issues uh, that are very popular, uh, and that's not necessarily <clears throat> single payer, but running on health care, mm -hmm. uh, which has become a significant left issue, mm -hmm. uh, is one that can do it. And uh, I think that's probably the uh, uh, single most important. And um, just running on some kind of issue on college. Uh, um, uh, forgiving college debt or, or diminishing college debt. You think that's a winning uh, strategy? I think that is not maybe for all not, the people may, who've paid maybe, their right. college debt. Ma maybe not the one. <clears throat> the ones who paid it are not going to be PO'd because somebody else is getting it. You know. Oh, really? I don't, I don't know about that. I just finished no. paying off uh, well, college uh, debt. Like on you would believe. Side, yes. But money is money, though. Yeah. I mean, if someone has to, is getting a break, and someone else, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, is not getting a break, there's that fundamental oh, unfairness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the health care issue, that's interesting because, um, you know, I'm the wife of a union member, and we really, they fought very hard to get their health benefits. And when you hear this Medicare for all that everybody seems to be in favor of now, and Biden's kind of saying, no, that's <laughs> not the way to go, but everyone else is saying, yeah, that's what we need to do. 
You tell me what those union members are going to do when, and there are many, many, many of them who fought so hard, took a, a decrease in wages to get this Cadillac health care plan, and mm. then they come to find out that they're not getting those health care benefits, but they're thrown into the pool along with everybody else. Mm. It's not going to fly with the working class, mm -hmm. and that's really who the Democrats um, have to be very mindful of not losing those voters. And it's going to happen if they go with this Medicare for All scheme. I can tell you. Take that to the bank. Medicare for all is a very, very broad term. I'm on Medicare. I think mm -hmm. I'm probably the only one here. No, I'm on Medicare. Oh, you're on Medicare. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and it includes a private, uh, private insurance. You can call it Medicare for all. If you, if it was truly Medicare, you would have private insurance for your uh, uh, Part B for your supplement, and you have private insurance uh, for uh, uh, your, your, your uh, um, medication, medication benefits. Supplemental. Well, all, Supplemental. all apparently includes illegal immigrants now. That's as well. right, and, and they all raise their hand on absolutely. that. And Kamala Harris already backtracked because she did flat out say, Medicare for all, no private insurance. She flat out said that, and then they flew that trial balloon up and it Crashed. Well, we have to look at and that. And then they came back and said, no, that's not going to work. I think, it's, so. I think, I, think I, I, I don't think it's going to be as inflammatory now as it sounds to a lot of people, as inflammatory next year as we'll it sounds to a lot of people now. For Donald Trump, is immigration, illegal immigration, is that still the key issue that will get him either reelected, reelected or rejected by the voters? Jennifer. Um, I think that, um, yes, I guess is the short answer to that, coupled with keeping the economy the strong. Economy. I think, I it's, think it's a one-two punch there. Um, but I think it is a, a winning issue, and it's an increasingly winning issue. When you have Fareed Zakaria come out, flat out admitting mm. he hates Trump, and he's admitted that, mm -hmm. flat out saying, I hate to admit this, but Trump's right on the asylum thing. This is a mess. It's a mess and they're gaming. Some of them are gaming the system. The system's vague. This two-year callback period, people are all skipping out and it is a mess and it pains him to admit it. So I think that um, it it is a winning issue. For when we come back, I want to hear Kelly Fennell because this is the issue right up her alley and I want to hear from her and reaction uh, to uh, the role it will play in the 2020 election. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. What are you talking about too? officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, Forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Let me have our, our guests now introduce themselves. And we will begin with Kelly Fennell. Kelly? 
Hello, my name is Kelly Thunnell. I'm an associate immigration attorney at Hughes Sokol Pierce Resnick and Dim, and I am also the chair of the advocacy committee for the American Immigration Lawyers Association Chicago chapter. And when was the last time you were at the border? So I was in Dilly, Texas, at um, the South Texas Family Residential Center, which is where we're detaining women and children um, this past February. And then I was at a conference this past June hearing from um, various NGOs and nonprofits who actually are manning okay. the border right now. Early in the year, the president kept saying there was a crisis on the border. And the Democrats, specifically Nancy Pelosi, wouldn't, she wouldn't buy that. Now that we're seven months into the year, was the speaker right in sort of uh, not acknowledging the problem on the border? So when you're talking about the crisis, when the supposed crisis first began, um, again, I was in touch with the people that are staffing the uh, representation at this uh, South Texas Family Residential Center. They actually had a record number of low at that detention center. So while you had all of these people, women and children flooding the bus stations in San Antonio, Texas, a facility designed to hold 2,400 people had a population of about 300. So my question was, if all of these beds were too full for de to detain them, why are these facilities empty and why are they being flooded to a bus station? Okay, so explain to me who was telling the truth then in the early part of the year, in your view. Well, Because it, like it looks like a chaotic situation now. Would you acknowledge that? I think it's a chaotic, a chaotic situation created by this administration and this administration's consistent attack on asylum seekers. Okay. Jennifer, tell and, us who you are. And on that note. Um, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll pick up the discussion. I am uh, Jennifer Nevins. Um, I am a nationalist conservative. Um, that means that, uh, well, basically, I generally vote Republican, although it sometimes is a challenge for me to do so. I am a Trump supporter. Bruce has had me on and refers to me sometimes as the original Trumper, because when there were 17 people on that debate stage, I was for Donald Trump from the beginning. And uh, I'm happy to be here, as always. Don Rose. I'm Don Rose. I'm a political consultant uh, of uh, some 40 or 50 years nope. here in Chicago. <laughs> and I uh, currently, uh, for the last 10 or 12 years, have also been writing a, a column, a weekly column for the Chicago Daily Observer. Okay. Nick Calm. And I'm Nick Calm. I own a strategic communications firm called Reputation Partners. So we help corporations, universities, not-for-profits, and their leaders either enhance, protect, or rebuild their reputations. Okay. Uh, Jay Johnson, who was the President Obama's uh, Director of Homeland Security, came out with a statement uh, earlier, uh, actually late last week, uh, and this, this involves what the Democrats have said about illegal immigrants and the problems. He said, we cannot, as some Democratic candidates for president now propose, publicly embrace a policy to not deport those who enter or remain in this country illegally unless they commit a crime. This is tantamount to a public declaration repeated and amplified by smugglers in Central America that our borders are effectively open to all. Would you agree with that, Kelly? So first off, um, people who come to the United States and present themselves at a port of inspection to seek asylum aren't illegal immigrants, they're asylum seekers. Seeking asylum in the United States is not illegal. Um, and a lot of people who are here unlawfully now actually entered on visas and, over, and overstayed their visas. So the and again, every woman that I talked to wasn't under the impression that the border was porous when I was down there earlier. So I, I don't think that's correct. 
What is the definition of asylum seeking? What what constitutes grounds for being granted asylum under the laws of the United States? Right. Um, so there are five protected grounds. There is political opinion, race, religion, ethnicity, and then the last one is kind of what gets a little, it's well very complicated. Um, it's membership in a particular social group. So what that means is it's a common, immutable, innate characteristic that one can't change or shouldn't be required to change. Um, for example, sexual orientation has been held out to be one. Um, you know, past experiences, gender in conjunction with another characteristic. So what has changed in Guatemala and all the other countries that are the source for all of these immigrants who are now seeking asylum? What governmental <laughs> change has occurred that has, or societal change that's occurred that's gone from it being a steady stream to now a crisis point? I mean, so the numbers that we're seeing right now aren't new, and you know, this was going on under the Obama administration, and Obama, the Obama administration actually started this entire family detention concept, right? So this is no, mm -hmm. not necessarily just a Trump administration problem, nor mm -hmm. an issue that is just unique to this administration. Um, violence in those countries are getting worse. Um, the homicide rate in El Salvador is one of the highest outside of a war zone area. But hasn't it been for years? I mean, that's it. The, the state of affairs in these countries has not dramatically worsened in the last few years, leading to this huge out migration. Or uh, has it? Oh, I think it has. I, it has been getting worse, yes. And then if, even if you look at the recent political situation and the violence in Honduras and Nicaragua, I think with what all, is. With all the, the, uh, the variations of who is in the country legally, who is in waiting trial, who is in um, based on an asylum request. What is the number of people that you believe are in the pipeline that conceivably could be deported? In other words, they've, they've made their appeal. Someone from uh, the government has decided we're not going to take you in. And a judge has verified that and a deportation order has been directed, but it has not been enforced. What's the, what's the magic number? I don't have a magic number, but I could try to find those on the next break. Okay, because I, I, think I, that the, the be figure that was mentioned on one of the shows today was 900,000, that there's 900,000 people hmm. that, that, again, they're here, a judge has already heard their case and said, we can't keep you. Now, as someone, do, do you believe, do you support those people being deported? If they've gone through all the, the processes that we have set up, you know, that go back to the Obama administration, and a judge has said, you're here illegally, you should go. Should those people be rounded up, whether it's in a raid or by ICE? I mean, do those people deserve to be deported from the country? Um, that's a very complicated question. Um, recently, we've had a lot of service issues with documents even putting people on notice that they are in deportation proceedings, so there are a large number of people who do have deportation orders who aren't even aware of them. Um, and that's something that the Supreme Court recently spoke about in a case. Um, I don't have Because they haven't been processed? No, not necessarily so they haven't been processed, right? Um, so uh, oftentimes what would happen in the past, and now they're starting to change it, which is creating chaos in the courts, 
is you get the notice to appear, which is the charging document that starts deportation proceedings. And on that notice to appear, it's supposed to tell you, you have to appear at this court in this city at this time on this date. But a lot of times what they would do is they would just write TBD, TBD, right? So you don't know when you're supposed to show up at court. So, and you can't change your address with the court if your file's not in the court. So you did have a huge service issue and we're talking I don't know how many thousands and thousands of notices to appear that were defective. It was more uncommon than not until recently that these were marked TBD. It is difficult to believe that the majority of people who um, get these notices uh, would show up for these hearings in the first place, especially when you have a proliferation of sanctuary cities. You can't even, the police can't even, and ICE can't even go after to serve these warrants to bring people in anymore in a surprisingly large and you know, a growing number um, of cities. You know, Fried Zakaria's um, article, and we all know that he's no fan of Trump, came out, this is a quote from his article, that he says that the asylum system needs to be changed. He said that the fraud is easily perpetrated, the rules are vague, lacks in being gamed, and he says it pains him to say it because he is an ongoing critic of Donald Trump's. This is the situation that we have, the asylum uh, situation here. It's a joke. And you know, when all of these people are coming up through Mexico, if it truly is a safety issue, and I'm sure that for many people it is, why are you not staying in Mexico? Mexico is now allowing people to stay in Mexico, but people are going all the way through making a very, very dangerous journey Because it's journey economic up. opportunity. There is, the real, and it's an inducement. Actually, the Democrats are inducing, <clears throat> I firmly believe this, people to come when you have all the <coughs> candidates raise their hand and say yes people here illegally should be given health insurance they should be given college they should be given everything that citizens have tell me how that's not a magnet first, for people to come first Kelly. off statistics show that the majority of people in deportation proceedings actually do show up and that's where is that from? I've never heard that. Um, the track the track report put on by Syracuse University actually shows that along with several other of you and the immigration court statistics so that's actually a common misconception and with Council, people tend to show up, especially if they do have an asylum claim that they're fighting out in court. I've been practicing. But again, are these people that have been also ordered deported? In so the, I have which... clients right now that we're fighting motions to reopen for. And then going back to, so I mean, people do show up for deportation proceedings. That's not what the stats say. And secondly, even in these so-called sanctuary cities, and Lori Lightfoot came out and said the same thing, that doesn't mean that they're not going to order a warrant signed by a judge, not ICE not someone from the Department of Homeland Security. Even in sanctuary cities, you do have people honoring and law enforcement honoring warrants signed by judges. And even in Chicago, we still have our criminal gang database and in other cities that are supposedly sanctuary cities, they have that too. So I think that's actually completely disingenuous. And every single person that I've ever talked to didn't come here for free healthcare or for free college. Do and you you're think, talking Jennifer, about do asylum you, do seekers. You think at, at this point, given, given the fact that Donald Trump has been president for a couple of years, mm -hmm. this is his signature issue. Yeah. Uh, he's had frustration with trying to do things and the courts have slapped his hand. Yes. Uh, yes. A couple of things got through. Uh, there is the, there's the video of the children, mm -hmm. uh, which we know is, is not, and that's not good video. Right. Uh, my question to you is, has too much happened on Donald Trump's watch that's frustrating maybe some original Trumpers and say, you know what, we, 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 we hired this guy because we thought he would do a better job in cleaning up immigration, and he may be trying, but he's not succeeding. I think that's it, the question. Okay. I'm going to give you three All minutes right. to think about uh, the okay. answer. Back shortly <laughs> from Chicago, I'm Bruce Dumont.
Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Bruce Chamont back, Nick Tom, you were making a point during the break. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying that I don't, I honestly don't believe that most of the uh, folks that are coming here that are streaming into this country are coming for asylum reasons. I believe they are coming for economic reasons, jobs, as well as the substantial benefits that are already available to them. Do you believe, I'm asking my Republicans, do you believe they, that the, uh, the question that I asked before the break, and that is, Donald Trump has been in charge for two years. Right. And is he doing a good job administering the whole immigration yeah. process? Legal, illegal, asylum, what's his grade? Right. He's got the reins of power. Mm -hmm. He's been frustrated by the reins of power. Right. But with the power that he has, is he making things better? Or worse. Well, if he had been given all the money that he wanted <clears throat> for the border wall, if and if if, if he had been, um, and he was doing what he was doing now, I would have to give him probably a D. But because he is not a king, contrary to what the Democrats try to say, Trump makes himself mm -hmm. out to be a king. He's not a king, and he cannot appropriate money out of thin air. So he was, uh, you know, he's, he's built trying. forty. He's built forty-two <laughs> miles of border wall. 42, because that's all the money he had to do that. Just this a uh, couple weeks ago, we had the census. Can't even put down on the census, make it a census question about citizenship. His hands are being tied, not just with the Democrats, but in the court. So there's only so much he can do, and it cements his underdog status to his uh, to his base, and I don't think he's going to suffer for it. I agree with Jennifer to a very large degree. I think if you can take somebody who is the staunchest Trump supporter <clears throat> and the harshest Trump critic, and they will, everybody on both extremes and in between will agree that Trump has been doing everything that he can to try to stem the flow of illegal immigration in this country. There, nobody disputes that. In fact, the Democrats' argument is that he's gone too far, he's cruel, cruelty is a technique, whatever you want to call it. Okay. He has tried, but he has been stymied at every turn. So he isn't, to Jennifer's point, he's not a king. He doesn't have unilateral power to do these things, and he's been stymied. So I think even the people who are supporting him and still worry that this is not an issue where he's going to come through, mm -hmm. they're at least looking at him and going, hey, he's really tried. Right. Don, what's <clears throat> your assessment? My assessment is um, that he's done a lousy job, and it may be in part because his hands have been tied on some of the things he wants to do. I'm not necessarily uh, in support of some of the things he wanted to do. I think the wall is a bizarre, stupid idea, a, a winning political idea for him, to be sure. Uh, but he wants to fight. He doesn't care whether he wins or loses. He does not care about the lives of those people. But so do Democrats, Don. Uh, I mean, the Democrats know. are exploiting the current crisis that is occurring but on the border. Trump, 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 Trump Obama. made no, Trump. no, no, no. Come on. So did come family on. detention was a problem under Barack Obama, but we did not have detention going on the way we do now. We did not have the remain in Mexico policy going on the way we, we do now, and conditions were not as harsh. Right now, we're seeing more recent, more long-term permanent residents being put into deportation if proceedings Nancy Pelosi Obama. had decided in January when the president said there was a crisis if she would have come forward with four billion dollars that she came across with a couple of weeks ago 
What would have happened? If $4 billion had flowed in, I mean, would, would there be air conditioning in the detention centers? Would there be toothbrushes? Would there be beds? There's a, you've seen some of this up front. Right, I have. If you had $4 billion that Congress approves, bipartisan, you got $4 billion. How would it have improved? Would it have hired more judges? I'm would it, would it, would it have judges. better detention? What would have happened with the $4 so billion dollars if it came in January, not July? We mm -hmm. don't even need to be detaining all of these people. There are alternatives <clears throat> to detention that are more economically like efficient. Mm -hmm. Like what? Um, uh, I have several clients that are on ankle monitors that check in with an ICE officer every month or bi-monthly, depending on how long they are. So women ankle and children are going to have ankle monitors? Women I can have, only imagine. Women have ankle monitors now all of the time. Okay. That costs a lot of money to maintain Actually, and track. Less. We're no, not going to be putting but, those but, in. But less money than part of the $4 million. Dollars. Well, and I mean, also... After, I mean, $4 billion... And Democrats are complaining, right. I mean, and maybe rightfully so. And way, didn't they an restrict the beds, the bed space in this bill that the Democrats came up with? In the most recent with, bill, they restricted. They did not build as many beds as the Republicans wanted. Wanted. They restricted the beds. So <clears> why? <throat> Why? Could it be because this crisis benefits them politically? We talk about how Trump wants to hurt people. Oh, he doesn't, he wants to hurt. Well, here's a shining example of people whose lives are being negatively impacted because it's a political consideration. And, and that's what I find absolutely incredible, and that's what I find to be disingenuous. Do you completely. think that the, all of the, the stories about the detention centers and the alleged cruelty there, I want to say alleged mm -hmm. cruelty because I haven't seen it with my own eyes, do you think that's a deterrent for people in uh, in Honduras and, and Guatemala? Are they no. are they going to stay home because no. things are so bad in the United no. States? You can build a wall as high as you want. You can make detention conditions <coughs> as terrible as you want. If someone fears for their life, they're going to keep coming. And they're going to risk their children's lives. I mean, if you have two choices, stay and die or flee and maybe live, what are you going to do? Yeah, that, I, I don't think there's any are, grounding for no. any factual basis whatsoever for those kind of extreme characterization they, of the conditions if, in those yeah, Central American countries. Mexico, that have changed, die. again, that have changed in the I last disagree. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. The, those countries have not been garden spots for as my entire lifetime. It's not that there's been a dramatic change. They are coming, and I don't fault them. They're coming for economic opportunity and for benefits. And a few of them, there's no question, a few of them are legitimately coming for asylum reasons, but the process is being abused. Statistics show that these, com these countries are becoming increasingly more violent. And that's an unfortunate well, fact of life, but that doesn't mean that the asylum system is not completely broken, and we're having an increasing number of Democrats who are admitting this. I agree that it needs updated. And Chicago <laughs> is becoming increasingly violent as well yeah. in some areas. Yeah. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly, we got another full hour coming up. We'll switch gears and talk about some other issues, and we'll take your phone calls at 1-800-723-8289. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other. 
with friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, Go to FCC.gov emergency. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We've got some callers on the line. Let's go to Ryan listening to us in Roselle, Illinois. Go ahead. You're on the air, Ryan. Hello, it's Brian, actually. Yeah, that's uh, what I said. Okay. Uh, you know, in the, the whole illegal immigration conversation, uh, both parties playing game issues. Uh, can't get anything because the uh, Chamber of Commerce Republicans like cheap labor, mm -hmm. and they will never shut it off. And then right. the Democrats, they're only in building a voting block. Mm -hmm. Just like the blacks think they can lock down the Hispanics, and that's the road to permanent power in the future. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, they're selling out his work class. And that's the long and the short of the issue. And I predict that if Democrats on this, when they say they're not open borders, but if you add up all their positions, spells open borders, and this idea of giving illegal immigrants automatic free health care, Donald Trump will win 2020. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. I want <clears throat> to, Brian, hang on a second. Because I want to let uh, Don Rose tell uh, some historical uh, stories, if you will. Because in, in the introduction uh, in the last hour, I mentioned that uh, Don Rose, over the years, he's worked for Republicans uh, and he has worked for Democrats, mostly progressive Democrats, but he's worked for Republicans 
in a variety of offices. When they've in, been more in, liberal in, than the when Democrats. They, when they've been more liberal than the Democrats. <laughs> but again, Don, and stop me if I'm wrong here, one of the key things that has always concerned you is vote fraud. Yep. And vote fraud was, and I guess to some extent maybe still is, but not as much as it was 20, 30 years ago, Vote fraud is an important part of how the Democratic Party in Chicago and Cook County and the city of Chicago maintained its power over uh, minority voters. Absolutely. And so tell, tell us, I mean, because you, you've been exercised about it for 50 years, when you hear the debates now about, uh, about making elections fair and square, it's generally the Democrats on the national scene that are viewed as trying to make uh, the elections more fair and more square by coming up with their new, uh, you know, their plans. But I go back historically. That, that's not been the experience that, that I've had in the state of Illinois, and I don't think you have either. Well, that's true. <clears throat> There's no question that the uh, party in power which was the Democrats stayed in power uh, using uh, vote fraud quite frequently. Uh, many, many different techniques depending on what the methodology was of the voting, whether it was a paper ballot or the old machine, uh, voting, various voting machines and so on. And um, progressive independent Democrats uh, of, of my stripe have uh, fought this over the years. This is why we had an independent political movement in Chicago um, <clears throat> that's, you know, elected aldermen and various, uh, you know, a couple of congressmen over the years mm -hmm. and so on, uh, fighting against vote fraud. And uh, uh, we uh, took the lead in this. I think, I think it was independent Democrats that took the lead in uh, trying to staunch vote fraud, forming with the Republicans uh, Project LEAP, League Elections in All Precincts, mm -hmm. which was able to put uh, 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 in independent precinct uh, observers, not observers, but independent judges in uh, to fill vacancies. But in moving to a contemporary discussion of, of vote fraud, do you believe that one party, either the Republicans or Democrats now, are deliberately trying to create rules for, for, for elections that are detrimental to society. In other words, they're trying to uh, diminish a voting block from showing up at the polls. Yes, and I believe that nationally uh, that is the Republican Party. Uh, not in every state, but <clears throat> if you look at where it's happening, you go back to uh, the states, uh, you know, that begin with the slave states, which are seeking new and, you know, continue to seek new and better ways uh, to stop um, the voting of minorities. So, Don, Don, how does motor voter laws, same-day registration, uh, no requirements for IDs, all of which are bedrock democratic principles, how do those not create an environment in which voter fraud can exist? Please explain it, it that does, to me. And uh, uh, the question, for example, of same-day registration was one that we opposed uh, here in Chicago at one point when the machine was going to be um, 
probably manipulating that. But you're saying that Republicans alone are the ones that are trying to disenfranchise people. Not alone, people. but the Republicans more for the largest voter suppression movements. And um, we, we can't... But cleaning uh, off voter rolls for people who are dead and who should not be able to vote, those are things that Republicans are doing in order to try to preserve the integrity they, of the process. they're not cleaning them up legal, uh, legitimately. They are tossing more people off uh, <clears throat> Not in every instance. You're going to find some, somewhere, some town where it's been done right. But as we look at what's happened in Florida, when we look at what's happened in Georgia, when we look at what's happened in Kansas, uh, it has been um, a prejudicial uh, uh, wiping of, off, off of the rolls. So African Americans uh, and Asians and Latinos are being removed um, from the voter rolls, Republicans are identifying um, who these individuals are, and they're taking them out based on um, their racial status, their identity. Is that what you're saying? Because uh, I've heard it claimed that it's because of the voter ID that you know that not all minorities have a driver's license, <coughs> so they can't vote, and so therefore <coughs> it's racial. Which somehow. is a, well, no, that is a racist I, construct. Actually, right. But I've heard that used, but I haven't heard that um, in Florida. I know Stacey Abrams thinks that 25,000 African Americans were disenfranchised. She's claiming that because they were actually people went in and pulled the names off the voter rolls. Is that? I don't understand how they were removed. You're saying they were removed from the voter rolls. They were based, they were removed uh, based they, on race? In Georgia, they were done uh, in, in the uh, office of the uh, uh, Secretary of State. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, then why really. was, so this was proven, and so why was nobody, I, I guess I find this mind-blowing that, I mean, what a charge, that based on race, um, some Republican racists came through and actually threw people off the voter rolls. I didn't know that. I mean, this is a... So that's, what, that's what she has alleged. She has alleged, and uh, but you believe that too. Is this yes, a widespread? Okay, that's a stunning. Well, she's a loser in a race. I can see where she might come up with this kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like oh, I was you know for well, her for, opponent was for, the Secretary of State. Sure, I understand that. But you know, in Florida, <clears throat> we're talking. You're, you're alleging this happened in Florida as well. Of course, we saw what happened with the Democrat in Broward County and what she was doing. So I, I guess, and the, and the Democrats bristled heavily when, when racial accusations were made against her. So I just find this whole conversation just incredible. Again, it always comes down to race, and I just find it to be the laziest uh, argument around, and it's really very offensive. When we come back, we're well, going to talk race about is what it's all about in this country still, and you ought to know it. I, I do not know it. Actually. Okay. Tough. Back shortly from Chicago. <laughs> My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support. 
for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, and uh, we're, we're having quite a spirited conversation during the break. And uh, Nick, you, you've made the point that there's all kinds of, of, of ways in which people who should not be voting are voting. And Don is making the point that there are people who should be able to vote, and they're being kicked off rolls by uh, Well, Don made the curious point that years ago it was a Democrat-led effort to uh, uh, instigate voter fraud, but now somehow it's magically now moved to be just Republicans. You've got harvesting of votes in California. You've got motor What is harvesting of votes? Harvesting means if you vote and you vote and you vote, I can come to your houses, collect your votes, and submit them on your behalf. That's harvesting of votes. That is occurring Mm -hmm. in California, and there is a movement to have it spread to other states. It is ripe for fraud. So is automatically registering people to vote, whether or not they choose to do that or not. I I want everybody who should be able to vote to vote, and I want nobody who shouldn't be able to vote to vote. I agree with you. That's the point. But it's it's ridiculous to suggest that this is only the Republicans who are now doing this. Not only the Republicans, but the Republicans are doing it in massive numbers in 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 the South and some border states. If you this could be solved easily. If you want to drive a car. You need a driver's license. Mm-hmm. That is a form of identity right. or ID. Now, if you do not drive a driver's license, you can go to the Secretary of State, at least in Illinois, I would assume in many other states. You can get a state ID. It's not a, not a driver's license, but it identifies you for being who you are. What's wrong with mandating that when you go to vote, you have to have one of those two forms of identity? Ask the Democrats. Yeah. Uh, that seems simple. Don. You are changing the game. Why didn't Why didn't we do that in the first place? We should have because well, there's I, fraud, I, I, and you need to clean up I, the fraud. Well, but, my, my, <laughs> but my question is, what's wrong with doing that now? If everybody can agree, which and this is, I'm not so sure you can do, but a lot of people would like to have every vote count and make sure that everyone who is eligible to vote should vote. Right. I'm, I'm supportive of that. I just want to make sure that the person that walks into the polls is the person who say they say they are. Do you and, have, and a way uh, to do that is if you have a photo ID. I mean, you need it to cash a check. You need it to get mm-hmm. on an airplane. Why do you not need it to vote? Because people should have access to voting more than they should to airplanes or checking accounts. Access to voting. The access to voting is you have to have. There's a requirement. You don't have to pay for it. There's a requirement if you want to vote in the United States. You have to have a driver's license or some form of ID. What's wrong with that? When people, people who argue against it, seems to me, are arguing in favor of illegality and making it easy for people who aren't citizens or aren't legal voting. I would buy your argument if, <clears throat> upon registration, you presented had to present something but we have registered voters who for various reasons sometimes financial cannot get to the get to the right place to get either a driver's license or uh, as I carry a state a state identification card we change the rules 
if this was if this was a rule for voter registration when you first registered in the South, in South Chicago, in New York, California, wherever. Uh, okay, but we changed the game uh, when we found out when you know a certain party found out that a lot of African Americans who tend to vote Democratic and Latinos who tend to vote Democratic uh, didn't have all of these these uh, 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 kinds of documents. Here's my question: Why and, do we why do we have to make excuses mm -hmm. to lower the standard of voting because some people are too lazy to figure out how it's done? I mean, there's got to be well, all... that word lazy, buddy. Let me finish. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of people, all kinds of people that look for the easiest way out. And what I'm saying is, do we, do we let, by lowering the standard, do we change the standard for all and raise the question of whether or not our elections are legitimate no, or you're not? You're bordering on wanting literacy tests. I don't want a literacy... I don't want a literacy test. But I want, I want someone who's voting... To under, and by the way, there's all I have. I have no, no, no problem with political parties or whoever the case may be, or librarians or the police department, whatever. I have no problem if a person can go to some form of authority and get an ID. Right. I've got no problem. They they shouldn't be charged for it. It could be 365 days a year. I want to make it easy for them to get an ID and that ID is their ticket to vote and select the elected leaders of the country. And not only that, you have governmental entities at the local, county, municipal, state levels that exist specifically to serve the population, plus tens of thousands of advocacy groups who all, if they wanted to do what you do just right. described, Bruce, could make sure that every U.S. citizen in this country is registered to vote which would be just fine with mm -hmm. me. And then with the proper ID, and then only people who are alive would vote. Only pe People would only be able to vote once. Right. And then, then the process would have integrity. But the canard that keeps coming up about Russian interference and all that as the big issue, no, the big issue is within our borders, people voting who should not be voting. And it's so disingenuous because I'd like to know, then they keep saying this policy Where have of you documented this? I just gave oh, yeah. you all of the circumstances. You, you can't. You've given me circumstances. No, Don, you haven't with, given with one reason. The one that Trump came up with. Harvest. About why he didn't. We just, uh, Bruce just came up with a very simple solution, yeah. which I added to. You don't have a single good reason why that isn't a sensible approach. I think it's a it's sensible true. approach, but I think we've got to give a lot of help. And fine. I just explained that. Governmental entities, advocacy groups. Yeah. Everybody can do it. Make sure that everybody has an ID. If somebody moves from Illinois to another state and they re are registered here, who who moves? Tell me one person in this room who knows somebody who moved from one state to another and called back to their former state and said, please take me off the voter rolls. Right. There's nothing stopping somebody from going, okay, I'm going to vote in Illinois and I'm going to vote in Tennessee. I'm going to vote in Illinois. I'm going to vote in Ohio. Well, I'm registered in Illinois, but I moved to Ohio, and Ohio is a swing state. Illinois is deep blue. I'm not going to vote in Illinois. I'm going to vote in Ohio without registering there. I mean, that happens all the time. You're talking about the most ridiculous kinds of cases. <laughs> People, uh, you're talking about individual uh, uh, vote fraud. You're not talking about the kind of massive vote fraud that people are 
complaining about. Because the Democrats are not interested in trying to get as many votes legitimately or not uh, as possible? How, how, how are you going to get that guy or woman who is leaving Illinois, uh, does not say take me off the polls and, and moves to Florida, moves to Ohio. To be fair, that person could have an <clears throat> Illinois driver's license with an Illinois address. You know, all it comes down to is it's very easy for the opposite political side to say that racial animus motivates um, the Trump's actions or the Secretary of State's that are Republicans' actions. And I guess when you hear an argument like that, we can get into the weeds on all these things that we can do, but if someone's predisposed to think that, of a certain person or of a political party, there's really nothing. We're kind of like just talking at the air, because there's a, there's an ingrained belief there, and we all have them. We all have them about about political parties and people, but it's not really a productive discussion in my mind about this point because we're not going to convince each other. One side thinks the other is motivated by being racist, and the other side says that's not true, and that's really, I guess, what it really boils down to. But you can't say you're I am willing integrity. to say that it is not. It turns out to be it turns out to be racial because, as we know, uh, there is a racial voting block, two racial voting blocks, African Americans and Latinx. So, <clears throat> if you're saying that the prejudice that that, that the people who are trying to screw um, a block of, of uh, African Americans or Latinx because of politics. I could buy it. Oh, it's, you, you, you're, you're not doing it racially. You're not doing it for racial animus. You're doing it for, politi for political purpose. It's the same reason Democrats want open borders. Democrats, not Democrats, Democrats don't want, want open, open borders. borders. That's another canard. You know, talk about, you've used the word canard <laughs> eight or ridiculous. ten times, and how about buying that well, one they back? Well, they certainly don't want a well-controlled, no. no. border. Want. I mean, obviously not. I mean, we've even gotten how do you, discussion. How, how do you reconcile getting rid of ICE with not having, wanting supporting open borders? Right. There, it's one and the same. ICE helps secure Actually, borders. Actually, no. ICE doesn't I don't help. See, no, no, I, no. And you're about to explain to me something I already know. Customs and Border Patrol polices right. the borders. ICE deals with illegal immigrants who are in this country. In the interior. I Correct. Yeah, no, so, I, get it. I, get yeah. It. I do understand that. Okay, so like <laughs> ICE, ICE isn't policing the border, so that really is a separate but issue. But again, would you agree that if someone wants to abolish, if someone wants to abolish <laughs> ICE, aren't they making a decision for those that have broken the law because they want those people to get away with it? In other words, Kamala Harris really doesn't want any government agency going in and looking for 900,000 people to deport them. That's not in her best interest. It's not no. in the best interest of the Democratic Party. They want as many people as possible, and if there's confusion as to whether they can vote, they love it, because there'll be charges that they, they, they're, they're being kept away. I don't see how increasing the number of undocumented people who probably can't get a photo ID or get on a voter registration list is good for a democratic election results. Why, here's my point, why can't some, someone who's here, they've come here illegally, there's been a, there, there's a, 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 a judge in some way has said, you know, you didn't pass the criteria, you're going to be deported. Should those people have an ID? Should so, illegal immigrants have an ID? I mean, in Illinois, we do have the temporary visitor driver's license, right? So that doesn't serve for driver's license purposes. It just allows someone to drive safely. And I'm all for that because, I mean, if you think about these rural areas, people are driving. Why not have them report, go through tests, go through screening, pay the fees to get an ID so they can drive and get head insurance, auto insurance and as well. But you, you, you told the story. When we come back, I want you to tell the story that you told everybody about your clients mm -hmm. that put on a form, I'm not a citizen. 
<laughs> and tell us, tell the audience, how many of those people were sent the voter's card. When we come back, you tell that story. It'll be an interesting one to stay tuned for. Back shortly. Keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages. If telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power-saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov slash emergency. back. Uh, we are on the air, and let's go to Bonnie listening to us in Crown Point, Indiana. Bonnie, go ahead. Are you there? Hello, Bonnie. Are you there? Line two, Bonnie is not there. How about Roger in Austin, Texas? On line three, are you there? Nice to hear a voice. Go ahead. You're on the air. Bonnie, if you're still there, stay on the line. Go ahead, Roger. You know, you know many of the uh, voter poll, uh, roll maintenance issues and ID issues uh, that are claimed to be suppression are commonplace in Europe and many mm -hmm. European countries that many liberals that complain about voter suppression all mm -hmm. admire. Right. Here in Texas, we had a Senate Bill 9 in our last session that I worked on, and it was an attempt to stop the vote harvesting that the, the gentleman talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. We have voter drives that go through a lot of old folks' homes, and they, they take uh, mail-in ballots, and they take uh, these people en masse to the polls, and then they go into the booth with them and make their selections. and. We tried to rein that in by saying, well, it needs to be a relative or, you know, somebody doing it one-on-one -on -one here. And you should have seen how the opposition demonized this logical bill to tighten up these, these regulations, claiming, oh, it makes it hard to vote and it's going to put people in prison for making honest mistakes. And it's just with none of that. And they went after this thing because I think, honestly, there's a segment of political uh, organization in our country that wants voters that can't name their two U.S. senators, that don't know the three branches of government, that will just come in and vote on a gut feeling or going along with their friends. Roger, I, I agree with you, but let me ask the $64 question here. Do you think that is something that one party does more than another party, or is it something that one party will do in one part of the country and a different party will do it in another part of the country? What's your, what's your I, sense on that? 
I can't speak to all over the country. I can speak to Texas and a couple of other states I spend a lot of time in. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's, it's pretty universally Democrats that are trying to open up voting for people that don't know the candidates, don't know the, the issues, and they can kind of steer to vote the way they want them to. And they don't want those limitations of ID and voter roll cleaning because it makes it nice and sloppy, you know? Old Mayor Daley would be proud of all this. Uh, Don Rose, do, do, do you agree with, with the, the question that I asked of Roger? <laughs> Well, uh, 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 you split this in two pieces. I was talking. Okay. He's talking about uh, that the Democrats are trying to get people who don't know who the senator is and don't know who this is and don't know who that is. They has nothing to do with eligibility to vote. Okay. Would, would you would you agree, Don? And I want to get your reaction as Roger. Do you think one party over the other is more interested in having low educated, less educated, low, uh, low interest voters, which is how some of the Trump supporters were, were, were uh, described in 2016. Do you think that one party low, is interested low in, more? Low information Low information voters. voters. Do you think that one party over the other is interested in having uh, a much broader group of uh, stupid voters? It depends on, on where you are. I don't think it's necessarily one party over the other, but where we see uh, the, the great big attempts uh, to suppress voters, as, as the guy in Pennsylvania acknowledged it, we, we you know uh, several years ago they finally knocked him out. He, he said we, we, we have uh, just passed this law, which means uh, the GOP wins. Oh yeah, in you remember the, that yes, yes. famous in the court, in the court case. Go ahead, uh, Roger. Back to you. Yeah, What's your well, answer to that question? Know, I, I, I think you have a situation of where many voters are brought in just to be kind of i call them robot voters that are going to come in they're going to vote automatically either for a party or they're going to vote based on the coercion tactics of somebody on a voter uh drive type mechanism and you know these uh uh these suppression things that they label like like um voter id they always complain, oh, well, there's just not enough instances of corruption to justify it. But yet then they'll say, oh, we've got to stop that stuff in Florida and or Georgia, when most of those roles were accurate to be removed. But they found a few people that were on there mistakenly. And so, oh, let's throw the whole thing out. I want to also say the, 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 the political parties the, the, even though they always say, let's get a turnout and let's find ways to get people to turn out, the last thing that a political party wants is a huge turnout. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there was 100% <laughs> yeah. voting in the United States, the leaders of the Republican Party and the Democrats, they would be scared out of their wits because the public might be doing something that they don't want mm -hmm. and can't control. So I think that they have all of these, uh, the, these uh, you know, re uh, rules and regulations that make it more difficult for people to vote. They cry, oh, we want more people to vote. In reality, it's a bunch of BS. They don't want people voting. And having, you know, having something really simple where you go in and, and here's my photo ID, and this is me, and I'm going to vote, 
The more honest you make an election, I think the more likely you're going to have a huge turnout. And politics, politicians don't want huge turnouts. Don, do you agree with that or not? Not completely at all. Uh, I think there's areas where I'd love to see huge turnouts. I would love to see a 100% turnout in Illinois. Well, I know you yeah. would. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, Roger, we're going to move on. Let's go to Ray listening to us in California. You're listening on the Internet. Go ahead. Hi, Bruce. Uh, good to talk to you. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. Uh, two things I wanted to address. Um, one was uh, your talk on immigration earlier. Yes, yes. And I don't know the gentleman's name, but uh, one of your guests there was saying that uh, there hadn't been any change in the last, whatever, many years to account for the sudden influx of immigrations. And two things I'd like to say. One, back in the 80s, I was a paratrooper sent down on the behalf of you people down to El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And those people, or at least the ones that were on the outs, were brutalized. And I see the seeds uh, for the problems at that time. But more recently, you've got the, uh, in uh, Honduras, you've got the coup that was essentially facilitated, I wouldn't say ordered, but facilitated by our government in 2009 uh, that threw out Zelaya, of which since then the UN has, I, I think it was the UN, has labeled Honduras the most dangerous country in the world. Uh, it's horrible there right now. Mm -hmm. uh, all of that, that whole area has been going through a very severe drought for the last five years to where the entire crops are ruined. Um, which is causing mass migration besides the political issues. They've got issues in Nicaragua that you may have seen last year, uh, mass riots and things like that. Mm -hmm. So yes, in fact, there are causes. Now, I don't have a solution for you, but the country that I swore to defend, uh, nowhere in that did I think that we would be the country that is treating these people the way that we are now. And again, I don't have the solution, but I do say as a citizen that what we're doing right now ain't right. Uh, the last thing you guys were talking about uh, voting. Can you, can you, can, you can, by, by the way, can you uh, elaborate on, on what part of the treatment that you are offended by? What part of the treatment are you talking about? Are you talking about the delays in, in adjudicating their cases? Are you talking yes, about the treatment I, while they're waiting? What is it that you're upset about? Uh, well, both parties are essentially using this as a political football to knock the other one down with. Absolutely. Okay. That's true. And sure. so I, I am just disgusted with the Congress. And, and not just recently, I mean for quite a while, no, no. right? Um, I'm an attorney. I used to practice in immigration. I don't now. Um, but it's the system has been broken for quite some time. Now, more recently, the issue that I have is how we're detaining uh, these children. Mm -hmm. And I've got a real problem with that. But anyway, I don't want to take up all your time. I know you have other callers. I just mm -hmm. wanted to have, do one last point. Is, uh, you guys mentioned, and I hear this a lot, 
that you need a license to drive a car, why shouldn't you need an ID to vote? Mm -hmm. And my simple answer for that is because driving a car is not a constitutionally protected right. Voting is. I'm a big Second Amendment supporter. This is an argument that I make to a lot of my friends and colleagues and stuff uh, calling for gun control, uh, which on its face, the idea of which I don't have a problem with, but doing it willy-nilly through legislative means I do because it is a constitutional right. And it, you make a precedent when you chip away at these things by just legislative means uh, to chip away at our other civil rights. Okay. Point well taken. We've got callers and we'll hear from them when we roll on. One more segment from Chicago. Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg, and I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical, inspired by the 2016 champion Chicago Cubs. It's one of the best productions I have ever seen. Now playing at the Royal George Theater. Do not miss it. Millions estimate their benefits online so they can do what they want offline. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness. Helping themselves. And helping each other. With friends, family, and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, yes. and uh, a couple of segments ago uh, during the break, uh, Kelly Fennell, who is an immigration lawyer, you were telling a story about your clients and how some of them have been solicited for the opportunity to vote. I don't want to characterize being solicited for the opportunity to vote. I would characterize it as a training issue with the DMV. Um, so several. And this is in Illinois. Right. And several, several years ago, I haven't had this come up recently. Like I'm talking about res registrations from the 90s. Um, so I have had a handful of clients, not, yeah, I would say maybe three, that did go to get a driver's license. They checked the, or renew a driver's license. They checked the I am not a citizen box, but they were still registered to vote by the person at the DMV. They didn't want to register to vote. They didn't intend to. Um, and then, you know, going through the green card status, you have to, if they want to get a green card and remain in the United States and eventually become a citizen, you have to prove that they never said they were a citizen on purpose and that they never voted. That's Shocking. why I have a huge issue with motor voter registrations. I think it's a terrible idea. So for the few people that you've encountered, you're one attorney. How many other attorneys out there are encountering the same thing where they have clients um, here illegally or on a visa or however, uh, whatever's happening, who are getting the same thing and who are taking that documentation down and voting? I mean, they're not all as upstanding as your clients apparently have been where they've decided not to do something that is not legal for them There's to do. absolutely no evidence that shows large numbers of undocumented people are coming out in droves and, you know, rounding up each other in mass in front of the polls. And also, I mean, we have seen in, we have seen increased right. screening at the DMV. And actually now I have several clients who are entitled to a driver's license who aren't allowed to get but one. But what is the argument? Neither one of you has made it yet 
against common sense steps to make the voting process have higher integrity. You may both, and you both said, oh, there's no evidence of widespread this or what, but what is the argument against common sense reforms to give you're, the process you're, you're more integrity? Right. What, is, what is the <laughs> argument against being good? Of course, as you pose it, there is no argument against increasing it, but and that's not what's happening. A, and having a driver's license or a state ID is no indication of what your immigration status is in it the state be. of Illinois. Yeah. But well, it, the fact of the matter, it's not. Because I the Democrats have, DACA, have I've made got a driver's such license. that it isn't. I could be an asylum seeker in deportation proceedings, and if I have a work authorization, mm -hmm. I can get a driver's license in Illinois. So, But aren't, all, the, aren't all those things, uh, can they not be put on a on an ID. Yes. So if, then you if have. If you are not a citizen, um, this gets back to the question whether you're going to the DMV, and this gets back to the Supreme Court this week. Again, this is a political issue. The president may lose the battle as to whether or not you can put a citizenship question on the census. Even though it was on there for 60 but years. But I think the vast majority of people in America, that's a common sense thing. Am I missing that? Except the law says persons. The, 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 the law, right. the constitutional aspect of this says we're counting, we're not counting citizens, we're counting persons. Yeah. The last time we had a citizenship question on it was in 1950, which was uh, a time when the, uh, uh, there had been a vast immigration because of World War II. Right. And Ted and, Kennedy, hmm? and Ted Kennedy, and the immigration so-called reform of the mid 1960s that opened the floodgates of what we now see as modern immigration. Don't forget well, that. We, in 1960, no, 1965. I, I yeah, immigration that act of 1965 Thank was you, the first immigration. Thank law. you, Councilor. Well, we all know that. I mean, the census numbers. You, know, you award representation uh, based on how many people are living in your area. It's supposed to be citizens. But why well, not is it supposed to be citizens? It's supposed to be persons. That's what it says. It does not say citizens. It says persons. And what is the objection, though? The the objection to having a question of how many citizens are in this country? What is the what is the objection? I've heard objections like, well, it's vilifying people. People might not want to cooperate and come out of the shadows. All these uh, arguments that sound suspiciously like the arguments when it comes to not requiring voter ID. It's very very simple. Whether you whether you think it's a good thing or not, people who, who are in this country who are not citizens mm -hmm. fear one kind or another of harassment or e even, you know, if they, if they are uh, undocumented, uh, they would fear being caught out. They fear that they're using this. And if they're undocumented, they here illegally, they should be called they out. Won't. But that's no. just, they you know, won't. I'm they skipping won't. ahead, but I understand. Again, those those immigrants who are here illegally, are they going to fill out the census form? There are relatively okay. few, you know, a, a substantial number will not, and that holds it down. But by forcing the issue, and the reason, you know, he knows he's going to lose this case in the Supreme sure. Court, as he's already lost it. <coughs> 
but I very, very conservative. Well, the, the ruling was about that not that it, it wasn't legal. Right. The ruling was the not that the he rationale. could do it. The rationale, which is ridiculous too, that 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 um, that was decided that way by That's now our swing vote, um, John our justice, well, is that now we're looking at think about this. Think about this for That's a minute. No, think about says, this. Though. You have to judge the motivations of the administration when they're trying to but that's um, not enact a law precedent. or create a law. That's not new legal they precedent. said the rationale so, that the Trump administration put forward, they put it back to the Trump administration, right. and they're intending to try again, come up with something better. That was what John Roberts was, was intimating in his mm -hmm. in his statement, that you guys need to come up with a different rationale right. for wanting that because census question on there, there's well which is ridiculous. Supreme Court precedent that goes back to the civil rights era that says you can't have a law be discriminatory in purpose. That's well-established precedent, but if something, so you can't have... So the administration, God forbid, they come up with an explanation. Trying that's to not figure racist. out how many illegal immigrants we have in this country is discriminatory. Yes, that's what they're saying. No, I'm asking you. No, under the, the Supreme Court would probably not find that that's discriminatory. On that note, we have solved absolutely nothing this evening. Nope. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan Sandberg. And I want to tell you about Miracle, the musical. <laughs> that was a hard close. Very hard close. Right there. Well, we got some good callers in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders for you or someone you know call 1-800-662-HELP brought to you by the u.s department of health and human services keeping in touch with family and friends or reaching public safety officials can be challenging during power outages if telecom networks are affected by severe weather or other conditions, the FCC recommends following these guidelines. Call 911 only when necessary and limit non-emergency calls. Avoid repetitive redialing to minimize network congestion. Try texting if a call doesn't go through. Conserve battery power. Switch mobile phones and devices to power saving modes and turn off when not in use. If evacuated, Forward landline calls to your cell phone if possible. If you're using your car to charge cell phones or listen to news on the car radio, be aware that carbon monoxide emissions can be deadly in an enclosed space such as a garage. Remember, always seek shelter in dangerous conditions and follow directions from public safety officials. For more info, go to FCC.gov emergency. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support. 
for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.